I get the sense, like, because they, I think it might have been because the author didn't want to have to go into the specifics, but my guess would be if she is, like, a head of, if she's essentially an archbishop, maybe if you had her on your side, maybe that's where, the, like, the military is. Maybe the army is, like, oh, the yeah. church. It would be, maybe there wasn't, like, an entire army of warrior nuns just around the corner that she could That'd be used. amazing! Yeah, if she just <laughs> remember, actually asked Sister Mary Bumblefuck, or whatever her name was, to, to help... She could have been like, oh, yes, I've got this nice little group of, of warrior kings waiting just around the corner that can fuck up them up for you. But we'll never know. Hello, my beautiful listeners, and welcome back to Reginald's Book Club. Now, you guys, you guys, you're not going to believe this. He's not here again. He's not bloody here again. Although, in this case, it's not entirely his fault. He is trapped in a fucking virtual reality, which is shocking. It's amazing how often his, like, inconveniences match up with the book we're talking about, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, anyway, yep. Th thankfully, thank goodness, once again, a very good friend of mine has agreed to fill in for the useless bugger. Everyone, please welcome Kaluna. Hello. So Kaluna is a, a sort of semi-retired YouTuber. She's also an audiobook narrator. And what, what else do you do? Tell me about your life. Tell me about your hopes and dreams. Man, hit me with the hard questions immediately, huh? That's how we do on Reginald's Book Club. I okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I uh, somewhat retired YouTuber. Certainly, uh, other things have gotten in the way. Focusing mostly on work, and there is a cat. Yeah, sorry for <laughs> this is why you'll need to sign up to Patreon because you can just see uh, Kaluna's cats to cut ass fully in her face. That was amazing. <laughs> Guys, sign up to Patreon. You can watch this and any future podcast with the visuals and the cat anus. It's beautiful. Yeah, well, not the cat anus, but the, the interruption was hilarious. Uh, there's a fetish for everything, I guess. Um, oh, no. Now I'm sad. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, uh, no, yeah, I, uh, I'm an audiobook narrator, and I work in the audiobook industry in other capacities as editor, proofreader, etc., so, honestly, that's been taking up most of my time, and mm. as much as I love making YouTube videos, I just do not have the time to get a lot of them out, although I'm trying to get something out uh, in the next couple of months. Really? Interesting. Mm -hmm. Coming out of retirement. Okay, well, I mean, uh, I highly recommend a lot of her videos. She's uh, did a very interesting one about uh, the Stark family, written by my close personal friend George R. R. Martin. Uh, and about how they actually sync up to the seven gods of the uh, the seven kingdoms. Was it seven gods? Uh, the the seven-faced god? Seven-faced god, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm getting seven kingdoms and seven gods mixed up. Anyway, we're getting off topic uh, here already, which is very traditional for Reginald's uh, book. <laughs> but anyway, today we are here to talk about Heir Apparent, yes. uh, which is written by... Uh, Vivian van de Velde? Is that Vivian van Veld. Vivian van Veld. It sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like Latin. I came, I saw, I, I punched a pig. Like, <laughs> Vivi, Vivi, right. Vivi. As I shall refer to her. Yeah, so uh, a bit of backstory here, actually. About, what, six years ago, uh, Kaluna lent me this, this her copy of Heir Apparent, which, my God, it... <sighs> You guys know, like, the quintessential, like, extremely loved book where the pages are literally falling out and it's been read so many times that the spine is as bent as, like, a 90-year-old man. This is, this is the quintessential very loved book. Uh, and unfortunately, it was sitting on my bedside table for the following six years, completely unread. Well, I read the first chapter a few times and got distracted each time. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and in fact, it, ch it changed houses with me. I moved house and moved it from that bedside table to the new bedside table and continued not to read it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Until this day! Until I said, Kaluna, help, I'm, I've run out of podcast guests. <laughs> <laughs> Do you and have any book suggestions? Do you have any Ooh. book suggestions? And she gave me a couple, and this was, I was like, you know what? Maybe it's finally time for me to read *Air Apparent*. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the first thing I have to say about this book is, good people do not get the audiobook version of this. No, please do not. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, usually I, I say, you know, if you want to listen to an audiobook, go with God. It's absolutely fine. It gives you a chance to do other things while you're doing it. It's a great way of, you know, it's a great alternative way of in, imbuing literature. In this particular case, they dropped the ball when it came to the narrator. Yeah, it's why when I was creating my audiobook demo, uh, I actually uh, used a section from this book 
because uh, when you're making an audiobook demo, for those of you who are trying to get into the industry, generally speaking, uh, unlike a traditional voiceover demo for commercial or animation where you have like 10 to 15 voices here and there, you really only need three. A fiction, a nonfiction, and something to do with your background or something that you have that's very unique. You want nonfiction to show you can do exposition and long paragraphs. You want fiction to have dialogue so you can have a conversation between two people uh, and make it sound like you can tell who is talking. And then for my third one, I did one with like Japanese mythology because I've got a background in it. Uh, so yeah, so I did this uh, book uh, and I did the, I, I believe it was the poem sequence uh, oh. that I did. Oh, so, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll explain time. that shortly. Yes. Yeah. So that was fun because I had, I was trying to show a young girl who was 14 and then an, uh, an older woman, one with, and one with an accent, one with not. So just was this, a... was this part of the professional voice acting lesson you took with Invader Zim or is that something else? Am I getting my memories mixed up? Uh... No, this was when I was first starting uh, to do my narration uh, oh, with okay. uh, Tantor, and so that's when you need to you need to submit a demo to them. Uh, so that's why I ended up creating that. So it was just me reading. Uh, you no, again, normally demos are only like a minute, minute and a half. Not audiobook demos because the point of those is to show that you can read hmm. for longer sections. So I think I read for like two to four minutes for each one. Uh, so it's a longer demo, but that's pretty traditional for yeah. audiobook demos. But so, so yes, uh, usually I try not to, to be negative in these things, but like I, I tried listening to the audiobook and the thing you have to know about this book is that the main character is 14 years old. She's a 14 year old mm -hmm. teenager. Mm -hmm. And the woman they got to narrate it must be in her 50s or 60s at least. It was incredible. Listening, it was like, oh, I was heading down to the arcade to play the video games because I'm a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> and it'd be one thing if it was like the Magic Tree Club books, which are read by the author. So it's like, okay, you do not sound like a 10-year-old, but that makes sense because you're the author. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, in this case, it was just a random lady. <laughs> this, yeah, I mean, this was also, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's written in first person. Mm -hmm. So yes. you are supposed to be hearing the voice of this 14-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they selected someone who has such a mature voice is just insane. You can tell it's an older audiobook because uh, it, that wasn't really a thing back then. Like, uh, having people who sound actually like the characters who are younger is honestly a newer thing when it comes to audiobook recording. That's only I within guess. the last, like, 10, 15 years. I think it's more important when it's a first-person thing. Because, like, you know, I get Stephen... Sure. I mean, I, I haven't read or listened to Harry Potter in a long time, but I get that Stephen Fry is not a 10-year-old boy, but he's that's third-person. No, so. but yeah, like, that's, uh, when it's third-person versus first, it's a very different it, Yeah, beast. exactly. So it's just, it's just weird. So it's like, I was ju I just turned... F I don't know why she's a prospector, but this is my American accent. This I is what you default to. Yep. <laughs> I just turned 14 years old and my father had sent me a gift card. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, okay, honey, I'm sure you're 14. Anyway, sorry, we are, again, digressing <laughs> so very hard. Let's return to the first question I usually ask on these episodes, which is, you know, what does this book mean to you, Kaluna, why, why did we read Air Apparent? Well, besides the fact that I've been bugging you to read it for so yeah. long. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> an opportunistic way of getting you to, me to finally do what I said I was going to do half a decade ago. So when I was in middle school, uh, or I would have been like 13 for anyone who doesn't go to the U.S. Uh, education system, uh, I got this book uh, from a friend of mine. I was borrowing it, and I read it, and I did a book report on it, and it was a really like formative book for me in terms of like I was the perfect age to be reading it because I was like around the main character's age. It's uh, fantasy, it's video games. The thing I liked about it though is like whenever you get these stories of like kids being transported to these other worlds in some capacity like like a what was it a kid in King Arthur's court or a Yankee and kid at King Arthur's court like any of that stuff they have like a chosen one thing or oh, yeah. they get some sort of power and with this it's sort of the reverse like story wise it explains why she's the main character in the video game but she is 
awful <laughs> at playing video games and she is constantly really having to restart over and over and over again and there's just something so amusing about that yeah uh, you know again i i i, I messaged <laughs> Kaluna ahead of this ahead of time and just said, "Hey, I don't think I enjoyed this book as much as you did, but again, you know, I'm for many reasons. First and foremost, I'm not the target audience. I'm a hairy old man, but um, yeah, she is. If the main character is not good at her job, and that's a big that's a big premise for the book. But mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, the the general idea is it's in the very near future. There's there's it's near enough that like buses are self driven and have like very simple AI, and we have fully immersive." It's not quite, it's not like the holodeck virtual reality. It's you plug your brain into the computer and you upload your mind as the computer temporarily and go into this virtual world and play your video games that way. Mm-hmm. But they're not, it's not so far in the future that these are readily available everywhere. There's this one particular arcade that has invented this that you have to go to and it's quite expensive. It's like $50 yes. per half hour or whatever. Which, I mean, in nowadays time, like that's the amount you pay for like an escape room. So, you know, yeah. sure. Enough, actually, <laughs> Back yeah. then, it would have been very expensive. I forgot to factor in inflation. That's probably like ten bucks. <laughs> the other, the other thing I like, like you can tell it's near future because the automated bus and stuff. But they also have genetically engineered dragons the size of hamsters. Yes, which is very and there's, cute. And like, I just think that's precious. I love yep. that. In the brief period she spends in the real world in the opening, yes. when she's heading to the arcade. She's uh, she mentions there's this little little hamster-sized dragon that's shitting on a desk, which is quite cute. Yeah, the it's. It's how you know it's in the slight future because it's a virtual reality that's like, you know, actually immersive and like, you know, you're however it's displayed in a various media where you're like, oh, your mind's being transported. We're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> we- as someone who has a headset, has an Oculus, we are not there yet. Yeah, they're <laughs> fine. But anyway, so general setup is this this young lady. Her name is Janine, I believe. Yes. Uh, she's just turned 14, and her very absentee father has sent her a gift card, a $50 gift card, for this, this virtual reality arcade. So she's she's on the way there. And the bus, the AI bus, tries to avoid dropping her off there. Cause it's like, ah, there are protesters outside. Uh, so there's these, these, these sort of hand-wringing, I guess the equivalent of boomers in whatever period of time period this is, who are like, no, don't plug kids into video games, it's bad for them. And they are picketing this arcade. But she, mm-hmm. you know, she slips through them, she runs in, she, she uses her gift card to buy half an hour, which in game time is apparently, what, a week? Three, three days. days? Three days, not counting uh, resetting. Um, in this game, which is a fantasy game. Now, I had to sort of adjust my expectations on this fantasy game, because I, you know, we just finished playing uh, Baldur's Gate. So I was thinking swords, blasting spells, power fantasy, but it's not. It's more like, like an old, either point-and-click adventure game, or it's like a choose-your-own-adventure book, in that you're character does not have a lot of personal power it's all about making the right decisions in the right situation not actually any skill or power on your part yeah it's like those old like text adventure games but if it was virtual reality instead yeah. of like text um yeah it, it's also just as a reminder this is a book that's over 20 years old yes <laughs> so you have to remember it's older than some of our friends it was... <laughs> wow, it thanks is. for making me feel old. Uh, yes, this was published in 2002, the elder year yeah. of 2002. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, God, what, is, what even is time? I know. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so the game, uh, ding roll credits, is called Air Apparent. Uh, the general idea is you start off as a lowly sheep herder who is immediately discovers that she's actually the bastard child of the late king, who in his dying breath declared that she was the next queen, uh, king or queen of the land. Uh, now the land, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's meant to be England, there are references to real places, like they mention Spain and France and Scotland and stuff, but then they don't really mention what the kingdom is, so I'm assuming it's sort of in that sort of nebulous time where Britain was like multiple kingdoms? It's very specifically not like telling you when exactly it takes place to avoid like copyright problems, like they kind of briefly talk about it with Sister Mary Ursula a little bit. Yes. Um, <clears throat> the but man, they, the horny nun. It's it's a Ren fair, basically. Like, it is absolutely. A it's Ren fair yeah. time. Yep. <laughs> Whenever that is. So yeah, they she she jumps in there, and I think what's her name in the game? It's like Janine. It's surprisingly similar to her uh, real name. It is the same name. It's just it's in the when you first meet her, her name is spelled like 
G-I-A-N-N-I-N-E, and then yep. it's a more simplified version in the game. Oh, okay. This is my dyslexic it's brain. Yes, it's pronounced right. the same. It's just spelled differently. I didn't... Okay, fair enough. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, the, the idea of this game is that you try and work your way through it. If you're killed, you have to start again. And so the idea is that you have three days of in-game time or half an hour in the real world, and you have that long to finish the game. If not, if your time runs out, I think you get until your next death and then you just out the game. You didn't complete Yes, it. it doesn't interrupt you in the middle. It lets you finish that route and then either you win or die and then it'll yeah. boot you out. Which is nice of them, I guess. Like, I don't know, like, I, in a post-inception world, you've got to think, like, if this is a world, is a video, if it's a computer that can let you extend your lifespan for, like, three days per half hour, I think surely, like, they... Everyone would be slowly but surely plugging themselves into these things permanently. They'd go for like half an hour bursts. But anyway, that's far too philosophical for a book of this nature. Mm -hmm. But as, as, as often is the case, as is basically the fate of all virtual realities in fiction, whether it's the holodeck on Star Trek or Stargate or any sort of science fiction, no virtual reality game. Sword Art Online is another example. Uh, mm -hmm. Dot no hat sign for those of you who watched Adult Swim. <laughs> yep. But no video game can be complete without something going horribly wrong and the stakes becoming real. So these naughty protesters who are like, save the children from danger, break in and bust up the power supply, or they do something to electronics. And uh, basically the game is locked. She's locked into the game and she can only get out of it if she completes the game. That old cliche. And she has... A limited time. They're going to give her longer than the half an hour she paid for, obviously. But she has about mm -hmm. eight hours before her mind like disintegrates. Yeah, there's a there's a reason why like they tell you specifically they're not allowed to uh, have them be in the game for that long for this specific reason. They say like, yeah, usually we allow people to be in there for a half hour or an hour, and it's like. Oh, your brain can take like five times that amount in case there was something that went wrong. Yeah. But because but in of this the case, yeah. because of what happened, uh, she's on a time clock. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she, she... So Janina's told that this game now matters, and she has to complete it really quickly. And she does. I'm not going to say she's not a relatable character because she immediately panics and messes up over and over and over again. In fact, she she never. It takes her hours to get past level one because she's panicking. It's really funny. But yeah, the they the guy uh, in charge like zooms in essentially and is like, "Hey, here's what's happening. Don't panic. Try not to panic." And then he gives us some really shit advice. He's like, "Oh yeah, and try not to forget the ring next time. And also, don't mix this one character with this other character." He gives really bad advice. He, the 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 reason why she chose the game, which is also the reason why it's difficult, is the fact that. It's not a game with a very set way to win. You can win yes. a gajillion different ways, the which is why... Is the, yeah, each playthrough is different. There's a thousand... The game adapts itself to your choices, mm -hmm. so there's no set way of completing the game. You have to figure out your own way. So he tries to give advice, but in the end, he, he accidentally makes her fixate on this one thing that slows her down incredibly. Because he says, don't forget the ring. And she's got no... So she spends the next few playthroughs looking for this ring and not finding mm -hmm. this ring. And... I actually, I really liked the reason that she this went so wrong, aside from mm -hmm. her panicking, is that Janine has a really bad relationship with her father. Her father's a rich asshole who asked for a paternity test before divorcing her mother. At, I will say, she does not have a good relationship with either parent because she, true. her mother basically dumped her on her dad and only sees her for like two weeks in the summer every year. So she lives with her grandmother <laughs> and both her parents suck. Yes. So every at the beginning of each playthrough, she wakes up in the field. This noble turns up and says, "Hey, well, I guess you're the heir to the throne. Come with me, your little whipper sniper." And uh, her mother says, "Well, do you want to wait and say goodbye to your father?" And she's like, "Nope, fuck off, bye," because she hates her real life parents. And also, she wants to like get through. And she wants the to game. get things moving. She's got to keep them going, 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 because mm -hmm. she really doesn't want to die, which is fair. Uh, it turns out her father was the clue to getting this magic ring, this OP magic ring. Which and bad game design, by the way, absolutely. because anyone who would be like, oh, okay, yep, I'm going to go start the game. There's no reason for me to talk to these people who I'm only going to see for three seconds yep. before the rest of the game. There are bad multiple game design. Game. Yeah, all the way through this, I was thinking, like, this is a re this is terrible game design, which <laughs> it's, it's actually kind of funny because I guested on Sophia's podcast, uh, Movie Struck where we watched uh, uh, Free Guy. And I spent a lot of that trying to justify the bad game design for the sake of the plot. Mm -hmm. 
And this time I was feeling the exact opposite. I was like, the plot is really suffering for the fact that I can't stop thinking who designed this shitty, shitty game. This game that requires you to, like, they say you have infinite possibilities, but if you don't do this very exact thing in this very exact moment, you're fucked. I, again, though, he did say, like, if you get the ring, that's really helpful, but, like, even when she acquires it, she it's a one-time use item and she yep. very rarely uses it so i will get back to this ring because like she <laughs> the use of this ring made me realize oh no she's not just unlucky she is genuinely really really bad at this she's an idiot also she is 14 she is 14 yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but she's also I, I think when i was 14 i was better at video games than that but uh, she is 14 and panicking <laughs> yeah uh, but she's also really bad at video games. She I'm is sorry. also very. She is bad she at video games. She makes very bad decisions. And normally that wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, usually it's like fine. Go, you go. You're having a good time. Single player game. You do what you want. Now you're gonna die. Yeah, this is like her. I believe she says it's like her first time actually doing this kind of game. I or mean, she's like, done virtual reality before because she but, knew, went straight for it and knew what to expect. But. Yes, but this is the first time like she's in a proper like VR yeah. with like multiple ways to go about it versus Although, like, a single also, set solution. Funny fact, she chose this particular video game because the trailer had cute boys in it. Fair. And immediately discovered that all the cute boys are her half-brothers. They're the princes of the realm. So <laughs> that's a bit of a no-go there. It is very amusing. <laughs> so, yeah, so because she could not be asked saying goodbye to her father because she hates her real-life dad, mm -hmm. she misses out on this Wong OP ring, which the ring is the ring of non-consent, is what I call it, because uh, if you give it to someone, they are compelled to put it on and compared to, compelled to be your slave for the rest of their life. They have no control over their actions. They just do whatever you tell them to for the rest of their life. And it's kind of fucked up. And, like, I was expecting the final plot twist to be that she doesn't use the ring on anyone because she realized it was a deeply immoral thing. Uh, that wasn't quite what happened, but I have to admit, in the final playthrough, she did use it on the one person who probably deserved it. But that's, you know. Yes, and the fact that the the ring is why her character exists yeah, she, the is first very she... wicked of them, of like, oh, okay. It was hmm. very, 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 very non-consent, yes, it was uh, sexual assaulty. Because, yeah, she finds out that the, re the reason her mother had the ring is because her late father, the king, had used it on her and commanded that she love him. So she she was the union of a non-consensual relationship. Uh, which is yep. probably the darkest thing in this book. Mm, and I know yeah. it didn't actually yeah, happen because it's, it's, it's <laughs> fiction within fiction. Yes. But still, whoever wrote this video game, I was like, dude. And, like, it kind of makes a little bit of sense for, like, the medieval-y, magic-y setting they're kind of going for. But still, like, like she, the minute she hears about that, she immediately is, like, super uncomfortable with yeah. the ring and <clears throat> Which, only you know. tries to use it sparingly. Does she, uh, though? Because I... Yeah, because she yeah. only uses it, like, twice. Right. She used it on every playthrough. It's just that she only finds yeah. out she, on the final playthrough. She doesn't use it till the very end. But like, sure. <clears throat> this is the, the the moment I lost patience with her is the playthrough where she's captured by barbarians and she immediately ah. uses the ring on a nobody, who immediately gets killed. The ring is then immediately captured by the barbarian king, who then uses it on her. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, you were just given like the most powerful magical object in the whole world, and it took you five minutes to lose control of it and it be used on you. You are actually really bad at this. I'm trying to... Is that the first time she used it? That's the first or time she... Yeah. Okay, so she didn't know it was also a one-time only. No, she knew. Did she, she? was told. Did she know yeah. it was a one-time only? Yeah, because... Okay, so getting back to the poetry thing we mentioned earlier, the way she gets this ring is she, you go and talk to this crazy old lady who oh, takes Oh, right, you yes. Yeah. The ring is being kept within... hidden on a statue that you have to recite poetry to, an original poem that you ad-lib, and if he likes it, he'll give you the ring. And if he doesn't like it, he chops your head off. Which is mm -hmm. pretty funny. Uh, but they do mention, like, yeah, you can only use it once, and that person can never take it off until they either die, or I think you can tell them... To, no, I don't think you can even tell them to take it off. That's it. That's if you cut their hand off. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the... Basically, that ring is a one... Yeah, it's a one-time use thing. And mm -hmm. the first time she has it, she uses it really, really, really badly and immediately gets turned on her. And I'm just like, okay, that took talent yeah. to be this bad at this. I mean, you also have to remember, like, she is in a world where there are, you know, people who have magic and uh, magical pets or swords, the, the <laughs> and she's just a 14-year-old normal a person. <laughs> like, 
She doesn't yep. have magic. She doesn't have super strength. She has her wit, which okay, is but the somewhat people, lacking. The people who overpowered <laughs> her were just hairy, smelly men. They like, or the people that she lost the ring to were not. Sure, the, I'm missing. She's working with dumb. limited skills and she, limited stuff. Yeah, the whole yeah. No, the whole point is she has to think her way out of these situations, and she's yes. not thinking clearly. But yeah. I said that was the moment where I realized because like. One thing I notice is that everyone's unnecessarily mean to her, and everything is unfair to her, and everyone is like blaming her for stuff that isn't her fault. And this is a trope mm-hmm. that I've noticed is a recurring thing amongst novels written for young women. Uh, I so that leads me to believe either y'all enjoy reading that, or y'all have to deal with that in real life so much that's the best way to rate, write a relatable character. So I'm assuming it's the latter from your expression. Yeah. Audio listeners amongst us can't see. uh, (laughs) Which is deeply depressing. Uh. And also, like, while I get that, it's also like, why do you want that in your books so much? Because Because surely you want to get away from the world treating you like a piece of shit all the time. I mean, when you have to face it on a daily basis, you kind of just assume it's going to show up at some point. You know, yes, I guess the author was so used to it that she didn't... She just assumed everyone gets treated like that. And me, Uh the the white, cis, straight male, was just like, why is everyone being so mean to her, not listening to her, and not (laughs) showing her any respect? I think also, like, it's not uncommon... Uh, more for teenage girls being the uh, focus because when you're a teenager everything is hyper like um, like exaggerated because like in that moment it may not be the worst thing ever but to you it feels like the worst thing ever and it feels like like you get the sense like it's not really super brought up if she has a lot of friends like, that's mm. not really discussed. Her real life is not discussed, but she never once mentions like, a real-life friend. Like, yeah. it is her birthday. It is her 14th birthday, and her dad, instead of, like, seeing her, just sent her this gift certificate. Which he got and, his secretary to call about and ask what she wanted. Yeah. And she has a very tumultuous relationship with both of her parents. She's very sassy to the AI bus, so you kind of get the sense that, like... She's not in a great place. <laughs> like I she's not feel... in a good mood at the beginning of the of the story. So she's already now. in a shitty mood yeah. when she's going into the game before she's in a life or death situation. True. And I she's mean, fourteen, so yeah. you know she's gonna be sassy. <laughs> I feel I feel I feel sad now. Uh. I'm. It's it's fine. It's fine if the main character is a little bit of a doofus. No, I get that. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, I just. The thing I noticed was that, like, yeah, in in novels written for young women, the key fact, the key thing seems to be that the whole world's against you. Mm-hmm. Everyone treats you unfairly. Everyone's unnecessarily rude to you. No one ever takes you seriously. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, wow, I uh, that is worrying that that's the universe. So much the universal experience that's the basis of every novel written for that age and gender demographic. True. Uh, but yeah, so uh, shit, where are we up to? So she is stumbling through this game. She eventually gets the ring. She eventually makes it past level one, which is nice Ooh. for her. The chapters are occasionally cut, um, are like, the beginning of each chapter, there's like an email sent between the company saying, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah, you're uh, getting her, like live updates. Live uh, updates from the engineers desperately trying to get her out and the medics trying to keep her alive. And they're saying like, wow, she's doing really, she's going really slow and her brain's starting to melt. Yeah, like the first note is like the only person who was trapped in in this is a uh, minor with limited game experience. It's very yeah. specifically put in the report. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, yep. that was the cat. <sighs> Miss Alden. But yeah, yeah, yeah. She so she's not doing great. Um, but in her defense, again, this is a really, 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 really poorly designed game. I cannot stress how much Moon Logic is involved in solving these puzzles. This is like, yeah. you can tell that this game was written by someone who grew up in the night, like, grew up in the 80s and 90s when you had things like the Sierra point and click games where it's like, well, of course you had to give the tomato to the log with a face to throw it into the swamp. Why did you not think of this? It's like, every puzzle eventually digresses down to just clicking on every item on the screen everywhere to see what happens. It, it does feel a little like King's Quest or Ultima, like, yeah. kind of style. Yeah. 
Yeah, so the point was like, yeah, you re- if you don't luck into this, so basically her only option is to groundhog day every situation where she goes through the same, goes through over and over again, and is trying different things in different situations. Uh, and when she gets to the same, and then she keeps having to remember which playthrough she's on, and who she knows, and what she knows. And she does kind of work on the honor system sometimes, in that if it's... While she will use information that she learned in the last game, she won't straight up say it until she prompts people to give her the information again. Which, props to her for playing the game right. I might have been a bit more tempted to cheat. but I, I think she's just trying to be careful because early on they're very suspicious of her because like when uh, the head guy's like, hey, Sister Mary Ursula doesn't get along with Kenrick. And she's like, who the fuck is that? And yep. so she starts asking... Uh, who that per- who Sister Mary Ursula is, but like at the beginning of her next playthrough, before she's met anyone, and yep. they're immediately like, "How, How do you know do that you know name?" So I think it's more her just being very cautious because she gets killed a lot. <laughs> she does. Like every person that she eventually has to trust later on is someone who's killed her at least once. I think. I think every so. Every yeah. person in the game, from the like her most loyal knight to her brothers to her mother, ha- all kill her at some point. They either yes. poison her or stab her or feed her to a dragon or do they do something horrible to her? But yeah, the the thing that I like about the book, and I think it's something that struck with me, and it's based on video games I played later. A thing I really like is when she has to start over. She will make slight changes depending on the information she has gotten. And yep. sometimes her prior knowledge works against her yes. because then it goes radically different from what she was expecting because of like minor butterfly effect of different choices Which, she's that made. That is clever game design because it discourages you to just trial and error your way through the game. Because it's mm-hmm. like, no, you actually do have to make decisions based on the moment, not just what you did previously. Yes. Uh, and so that it, makes sense. I, I really like that, like her interactions with some characters in one route are completely different the next time around because one, she has a better idea of who they are or she knows what their motivations are so she knows how to talk to them next time. Uh Like, she knows, like, this one mage is very motivated by um, wanting to get together with another character. And so she's like, oh, hey, a person who killed me in a previous route, how would you like this so you don't kill me? (laughs) And it works. Yep. So, I mean, I don't think I would enjoy that as a video game. I want, I like the idea, you know, I, again, we just played Baldur's Gate where they're really good at your decisions having knock-on effects, but you're just having to live with them. Mm. You know, you're not just going, but we, you know, you're not safe scumming. <laughs> we say that. Uh, okay, <laughs> we safe scummed a little bit, a little bit. That okay. was only when the game was, like, forcing a time limit on us. Yeah, okay, previous. so digression. In our defense, we'd played the first two acts of Baldur's Gate. We were playing this game together because it's one of those beautiful games that actually allows land co-op. Mm. Um... And the, in the first two acts, we had kind of lucked our way into doing all the quests that were time-sensitive. So we got to Act 3, and we didn't know that time-sensitivity was even a thing in the game. So we were taking all the long rests we wanted, mm-hmm. and suddenly we get an update that half the people we were meant to be saving were dead. <laughs> yes, we had to undo a couple of things. So we had to, it was like, okay, so then for the rest of our gaming careers in this game, we were trying to long rest as little as possible. Our characters were exhausted, because we were just worried that if we long rested, someone else would die. Yeah, and like by the end, like we'd done all the like side questy things, and we had like four boss fights essentially left, and we're yeah. like, "Do we long rest after each of them?" Yeah. So then we started like investing in long rest potions and just trying to get mm-hmm. around it every mm-hmm. single way, and I was just rationing out our spell slots and our uh, action points and everything, and yeah. Turned out not to be a problem because the only things that were time sensitive we'd already run we'd into. We'd already done, but it was so it was a very different style of gameplay. It was like one fight, long rest; wrong fight, wrong rest. Kind of long day, long rest. And then by the end, it was just like, it's fine. I've still got a spell slot. We don't need to long rest. My <laughs> arm's still mostly attached to my elbow. I I, yeah, I was trying to alchemy so many spell slot potions. Yeah. But again, playing playing Baldur's Gate did affect my opinion on this book because I I know it's also my my hairy male brain was also yearning for the power fantasy because that's what things written for my demographic tend to be in in medieval fantasy. I wanted to be the big guy with the big muscles and the big sword. So the fact that this game intentionally puts you in the weakest possible situation was making me sad. But I Yeah, cuz it, it even like it it 
like in the little like trailer thing she gets before picking whatever game, it specifically like says that it is a more like Game of Thronesy kind of thing in that you have to yes. be very clever rather than necessarily going into battle. <laughs> Game of Thrones written by my close personal friend George R. R. Martin. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? He had a he he threw a party in town that I wasn't invited to, so I have to say my formerly close personal friend, George Martin. But in my defense, I, in, in his defense, sorry, I haven't spoken to him in ages, so he probably just forgot I existed. Um, so anyway, um, what the fuck were we talking about? Oh yeah, Heir Apparent. Mm-hmm. Yep. So through trial and error, I mean, she gets to a point where they, three chapters towards the end or whatever, you see one of these emails saying, it's like, okay, this is her last chance because her brain is like, about to fry. If she fails this again, she's fucked. So suddenly mm-hmm. the stakes become a lot more important. But by this point, again, she's Groundhog Day, basically the perfect solution to almost everything. She knows who's going to betray her. She knows how to stop it and make, get them on her side. All the assholes she knows how to manipulate into being her best friend, with the one exception of the Dowager Queen, who is always going to... It was always a massive C-word in every playthrough because she's just awful. Yeah, like... Some of it, even, like, the main character's like, okay, no, this isn't a great situation for her, but she's still awful. Like, her husband dies and names his bastard child the yeah, heir, yeah. despite they, her having three sons who are all yeah. older than her. And they are, the author, <laughs> Miss VVV, is very good at writing awful, awful people, because they said that the mother, the reason that the father, the king, didn't like his children is that her, their mother had raised them to love only her and not him. And he wanted a child who loved him. And I'm like, that's really sad. But also then you find out he used a magic ring to sexually assault someone for her entire life. So less sympathy there. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's less Robert Baratheon. And I mean, she's kind of Cersei-ish. She is kind of Cersei-ish. In that she, like, there are several times very early on where she just, like, immediately orders Janine to be killed. Like, yes. immediately. <laughs> yes. In that playthrough, she talks her way out of it. In the second playthrough, she thought that that was just a given, that they wouldn't actually do it. So she's more confident, and then they do. They actually kill her. It's like, oh, yeah. shit. No, they, she yeah. gets backstabbed by, like, her family more than half of the number I th- of I times. Think every one of her, like I said, every one of her, she has, like, what, Three, four brothers and a mother, and yeah, they, I think in one two place, of them definitely killed her. I, well, because one, one of them, one I, of them her, her, uh, I think one of them has her, his super hot girlfriend poison her at one point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the youngest, uh, and then the middle one, who's the dumb one, gets ordered to by the queen. Yeah, the one who's the muscles and the sword, and then yeah, yeah they, so they all do. It. And she's got a huge crush on her half brother, who is uh, the youngest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, who funny plot twist when she does eventually complete the game. It turns out that the old scientist man who came in to warn her that her brain was melting was actually an avatar. And the actual genius who invented this virtual reality is a is the super hot sixteen year old boy that she who who based he based that character on himself. So she it gets yeah. a very fourteen year old girl ending where her father's like, Oh well, we assume that her father actually cares about her now because he's he finding out that she almost died means that he left work to go and find her, which bare minimum but better than he's done before. So, and also that she may now get a date with a billionaire, genius, hottie, 16-year-old boy. It does also kind of explain why some of the story's a little wonky. Like, it's kind of an Aragon situation yeah. where it's like, ah, very young person who's writing this, there's going to be some flaws. I, well, you'd think a 16-year-old boy would be writing, like, this the mostly undressed barbarian muscle man who's... Sp- well, he's the, the one who created the technology. I don't That's know how true. much of it, the actual yeah. story he wrote. He yeah. was just the model for the character. Amusingly, he uh, even though he invented this, this, he started this company. He's the CEO and the lead scientist. His parents still restrict his computer time. So mostly, what he works in the company is he works the concession stand, which I thought was a funny plot yeah, twist. Yeah, because when she's waking up, she smells popcorn. She's like, why That's do you like smell the first like thing. food? And it's like, sorry, I work the confession stand, but I'm also a genius. I, I read him with a list because he was, uh, <laughs> you know, he was a genius nerd. Sure. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it is really, like, cool to see how she navigates through all these many, many characters. Yes. There are so many of them. Like, there's her family, there's the knights, the mages, like, the enemy barbarians. Like, there are so many characters yes. that are the, scattered throughout the story. A blind wizard who is, like, the, the, the classic 
sorcerer guy who occasionally turns into a horse for her to ride, but she's having to like direct the horse because he's still blind when he's yeah. a horse. So she's like, left a bit, forwards, okay, gallop. And, and then there's like, like the wizard with the fun uh, step puzzle. <laughs> yes, yes, you go. Yes, there's the, well, the father of a wizard that she needs to get a magical item from, who is basically, he says, like, I'm going to give you some riddles. And you've got to get past the riddles to get the magical item. She's like, what? And I assume I die if I don't get the riddles. Like, no, you just have to start again. I'm only doing this because I'm bored. Which <laughs> like, fair. Okay. Yeah. But he does make her slide down an embarrassing slide and, and, to, and then have to walk around the house and go through the, the, the puzzle again to get back inside. And uh, there's also, she, she happens to do like a, a side quest through a crypt to get the, the kingdom's treasure back. And it turns mm. out that there's a shit ton of ghosts in the crypt that are also really bored, and they kind of follow her home. And they're not, like, terrible people, but they are very inconvenient, because they make a note of saying, like, yeah, they basically watch you undress, and they also, like, poke you at inconvenient moments, and also she can never close a door behind her or raise the drawbridge, because there's always an army of ghosts that apparently have mass, but not... They, like, you can walk through them, but you can't raise a drawbridge or close a door on them. Which is she basically cool. makes it her stepmom's problem yes. <laughs> after a while, because she's just like, all right, I got other things to worry about. Go I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to ignore these ghosts until they go away. But then, Because they're not doing anything life-threateningly bad, yeah. I think. <laughs> But yeah, and then so and there's a crown that she has to get back from a dragon, and you know how dragons be about their gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the final, the final playthrough. She has to go, and she only gets one chance to get this dragon. Apparently, most players just skip the dragon quest because it's too hard. But I mean, yeah. at this point, she has min-maxed the system, so she's doing pretty good. Uh, and also, then there's a like because the game will always force conflict on you. Mm-hmm. because it's trying to make itself interesting. So because she's managed to keep the barbarians happy and she's kept her family happy and she's kept the guards happy, there's like a uh, peasant's revolt who don't know that you're going to be a great queen. They're kind of pissed off because the previous king was kind of a dick. So- and they do establish all of these threats. Like at the very beginning, like you, like as she's like being introduced to people, like the first thing she sees is like a peasant boy who's getting... Uh, like, punished or threatened because of a thing he's done. And Poacher. He's going to get his hands cut off, yeah. Yeah, and so the guy is talking to her. He's like, oh, you don't want to be too lenient with them. There's been a lot of peasant revolts lately. Yep. So, like, all of these things are briefly mentioned at some point ahead Absolutely of time. Like, she hears up, yeah. names, doesn't necessarily know the connections to them immediately, but everything is established early on. It's just, what threat is she dealing with now? <laughs> yes. But she then she manages to actually use the ghosts for her own uh, ends. She gets like an end of Return of the King kind of going on. Yeah. So she <laughs> she's like, hey, ghost, you know, if we all die, you'll have no one to haunt, and also these are your descendants, and also you'll have no one to hang out with, and they're gonna crush the town that used to live in. The ghosts are like, oh shit. So they man- she manages to escape that situation because all the the rising peasants get beaten up by ghosts. Uh, yeah, she, she's got a, a myriad of threats aside from avoiding being killed yeah. by, like, her family. Like, she's got what is the... There's this general succession stuff. Yes. There's and if she, the yeah, money... There's the invading barbarians. There's the fact that her kingdom doesn't appear to have a standing army worth a damn. She's got enough guards... Or, or if they, she does have them, they're not at the, kingdom, at the castle, because she only has enough guards to guard this one castle. Well, you get the sense because the previous king, the way he used that crown. Uh, so the crown is a one-time Midas touch crown, uh, and he used it on something very yes. big. And I because don't because the remember crown what it was. belonged to the roving barbarians. Correct. The king had won it by cheating in a la- in a jousting tournament. Okay. He had then given the crown to the dragon as a bribe to get the dragon to leave the kingdom alone when it was burning shit down. Correct. So that's, yes. Uh, so that's the only reason why they like are able to be the kingdom they are at the time is because yes. essentially they had a dragon who was they were they were like what is it called when you're paying like the mafia to not kill you oh like, like protection money protection yeah. racket from a dragon it's a protection racket from a dragon which <laughs> i mean we we play a game called dragoon which is basically protection racket the dragon game fair which, enough yeah, yeah. It, it is a, a acceptable thing to just pay off the dragon yeah uh, so by so by like the last playthrough uh she's got a tentative like ceasefire because the barbarian army has come because they want the crown and she manages to talk like even though several barbarians are killed she's like hey man can we just be cool and it's in the barbarian she said like we're white hairy but spoke with jamaican accents for some reason like pseudo jamaican accents 
which was an odd choice, but it was like, yeah. yep. He was like, yeah, Mon, we can be cool. And then, it, like, the Barbarian King basically just hangs around the throne room being very horny for all the MILFs. Like, there's these hot young ladies. Very like, specific yeah, one. He's though. only, well, he's into the Queen and he's into the Nun. <laughs> and it's quite funny. So Oh they yeah, they do make a point to say that uh so Sister Mary Ursula is like a kind of sorta religious nun. person. Yeah. Like you're not She she's like one of the potential advisors you can get. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure why she's so important because she never gives good advice. She's just because she's much like everyone's one, man. Go do some skinny dipping. <laughs> It'll make you feel better. I, like, I get the sense that there was a lot of stuff we just never got to learn about mm. with her because yes. Janine was like, You're weird. I'm there's not a, gonna deal with you. There's a lot of implications that this nun, Sarah, what's her name? Mary what? Sister Mary Ursula. Mary Ursula is a, was apparently like, in every every time anyone else has played this game, Sister Ursula, who is this weird, horny, uh, middle-aged nun who likes to go walk around naked occasionally, mm-hmm. was the most important person in this game. Because like when she finally gets out, the CEO is just like, man, most people give the magic ring of controlling to the nun because she's so damn useful. But she never does anything for poor Janine. She's just kind of there. We don't really see, because she's not like a magic user either. Yeah. And she, like, we get the sense that there's, she must have some kind of power, it's either politically yeah. or, like, but I don't really yeah. actually This know. didn't occur to me till just now as you were saying it, but yeah, what the hell was the nun doing in everyone else's playthrough that made her so important? And she wasn't even, like, a spy master like Varys or anything. Like, All, we don't yeah. really know what her deal is. She gave out weird hippie suit. Like, there's actually a very funny moment where she breaks character because there's a pro- she said like, so are you like a Catholic nun? And she goes, she suddenly just looks straight and goes, of course not. We here at Richmond Enterprises would never want to offend anyone. Then she jumps back, she's like, goes back to being the medieval nun. I get the sense, like, because they, I think it might have been because the author didn't want to have to go into the specifics, but my guess would be if she is like a head of if she's essentially an archbishop maybe if you had her on your side maybe that's where the, like the military is maybe the army is like oh, the yeah. church it would be maybe there wasn't like an entire army of warrior nuns just around the corner that she that'd be used. amazing yeah if she just <laughs> remember actually asked sister mary bumblefuck or whatever her name was to Ursula. to help she could have been like, oh, yes, I've got this nice little group of, of warrior kings waiting just around the corner that can fuck them up for you. But, but and like, they know. establish, like, there's so many different ways that she could have approached, uh, like, the story and how to do it. Uh, so maybe that's why, like, you, like the way they, these games are designed is they want you to try to go back and play them again to see, like, if you, if you manage to succeed, great, but if not, then you can try other yep. playthroughs. But, yeah, but- she she... She's got the the uh, the barbarians have shown up. She's shown them a modicum of respect and treated the king like mm. just another king rather than like a barbarian king. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I kind of like it when hey, people respect hey, me. Hey, Mon, I love it when I'm treated <laughs> respectfully. <laughs> so so she manages a temporary ceasefire between the two armies. I I guess and says, okay, if I get this crown back for you, will you not? Yeah. Vikings us, essentially. And uh, he's like, yeah, that seems great. That sounds fair. Now come sit on my lap, queen. I love your your elderly days. You know, I should stop this accent too, but uh, like I said, they were written with Jamaican accents, but they were specifically white guys' impression of Jamaican accents. So Mm -hmm. that was the one questionable thing I thought. uh, Yeah. Wait, why? I know you're going for sort of like just like generic otherliness, but like we have a, there is an established historical thing for you know raiders to have Swedish accents, which you know. It's anyway. a thing. Yeah, uh, I guess they just wanted to be a bit different. Uh, so anyway, we, so we're, we're coming up on time, but so obviously I am not the target audience for this book. Um, but tell me, tell me, why did it speak to you? Why was this your favorite book when you were a wee, a wee nipper Kaluna? I mean, again, I was like the main character's age, so I was, like, proper, like, perfect time to read it. I really liked the idea of restarting and then things adjusting and, and like, having to navigate these different conversations and having radically different outlooks on characters based on the different playthroughs. Like, uh, I think her, her opinion changes on uh, the first knight who shows up to collect her 
incredibly like radically by the end because well, like I mean she still thinks he's an asshole but she He's a he's a dick but she like she learns how to like all she had to do was give him a promotion into a job that really no one like money basically charge man yeah. and he is suddenly like he is just like I am going to do everything in my power to keep you yeah, on fine. this throne because you you've given me this bureaucratic bureaucratic job that I've always yearned for I, I I and I think I just I liked how she's got to navigate all of these different things like I'm I was always a big like fantasy person so I liked you know the idea of being in a virtual reality game and she has to go through like all the basics that you would accomplish in like a D&D session where there's puzzles there are uh conversations that she has to avoid there are alliances that she has to make she fights a dragon kind of yeah uh and what I like is the fact that she is a 14-year-old girl in the setting as well uh, as in real life does not prevent her from being able to do these things. Mm. Like, I, I don't know. It was just, it was a really fun story to read through. And it was also one that if I ever wanted to make a film it would be one that i would want to make because in my brain uh. i imagined certain sequences being extremely funny on screen like there is a se- there is a period where it's showing her like dying and starting over again and again and again and i can just visually imagine because it's like janine janine come back is like the first line that she hears every time she restarts and so there's just in my head a series of her just like Waking yep. up in the field, waking the up in the field. Traditional <gasps> restart. Yeah, there's a traditional restart montage that does take place in every one of these stories. You know, you see it in Groundhog Day and all these other things that have mm-hmm. this sort of either it is either actually time repeating or you're in a video game. But, yeah, yeah. Or, there, yeah, this this book is one that I I don't know maybe it's just me but it was a lot of I can visualize so much that is happening in this mm. like and that's not something that you can do with every book like not like. Maybe not necessarily what people look like, but like the actions that are happening, what's taking place, that I could picture very, very easily. So um, highly relatable, and it gave you some good ideas for like a film adaptation, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's definitely one that I would want to see because I think, especially like as we're like I, other than like some of the technology changing and adapting for current spec. There's a lot that still is relevant, like people blaming violence on video games. Yep. Uh, and <laughs> some other topics that we won't necessarily have to dive into immediately. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know, it was something, it was just something that always struck with me. It was, a, it was like an amalgamation of all the things that I liked of fantasy, uh, teenager, but like not a chosen one. Sure. like. I always love when a like I love when an idiot has to be the protagonist. <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, I, like uh, that is a thing. Like in D and D, like oh these chuckle fucks have to save the world. Oh man, <laughs> like I always enjoy that trope a lot. I think it's just going back and reading it, and then seeing the things that I have played or interacted with media-wise since then, there's a very one-to-one thing I can compare it to a lot of sure. stuff that I'm super into. So it just hit, like, it checked all the boxes. Yep. It was just, it was just a fun read. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah. I will say, this game probably would have been wasted on both of us, because as we've learned recently, like we neither of us are the kind of players who want to do every option in a video game just because you can. Like, we're, neither of us are planning to play through Baldur's Gate again with the evil option. I am playing a dirge, but I'm playing the good redeemed dirge. Like, dirge. I cannot da- play an evil urge. character. Right. Dirge. Yeah. It's just dirge. Dirge, okay. Dirge. It's uh, just what everyone calls it. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I both me and Kaluna were just discussing recently, because, you know, there's a big hype of a Baldur's Gate 3. Like, we both think that people who can just do evil things in a video game and not feel bad about it are wild. <laughs> like, like we, good for you if that's like a thing. Like, yeah, I mean, power like, to you. I can't of, do it. Yeah, the idea of going through again and just doing things differently because you can, or doing the worst possible thing or the evilest possible thing just to see what happens, makes me so sad. I really don't like that idea. Did you ever watch like a movie or a television show and you get like secondhand embarrassment? And you have to walk out of the room sometimes. Yeah, I feel like people who do that can't be evil when they're playing a video game because you're like, no, that's. 
awful, even if they're not real. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do the genocide route in Undertale. No way, <laughs> absolutely yeah. not. That's yeah. awful. So, yeah. So this particular game, we would probably play through once and then just be like, oh, "Well, that was fun. Next video game." There would be yeah, like no the the, the descriptions for some of the other games at the beginning. I'm like, "Oh man, those were to be really fun." Like, there's a murder mystery and like a mansion. Like, Hell I was like, yeah. "Oh come on, I want to, I want a virtual reality knives out. That'd be great." Ha! <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Well, yeah, so, everyone, that was Heir Apparent. It's uh, by Vivian Vivian Vandveld. She also did a lot of, like, um, there are two other books that take place in this same universe, I guess. There are. I didn't know Um, that. Yeah, they're kind of tangentially sort of, like, I think Janine shows up as, like, a side character in two of them, I believe. Are they also about people who get trapped in video games? Because if this has happened three times, that company doesn't No, 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 I just believe the character shows up, I think, so it's just in that universe. Interesting. Um, But she also did, like, um, what is it, like, you know how, like, Wicked and, like, a bunch of those other stories, like, take a character and it's like, oh, their story, but from another perspective. She did that with Mordred in Arthurian uh, uh, YA fantasy stories. So she had a lot of, like, alternative huh. stories of, like, medieval King Arthur. Like, I read a lot of King Arthur books in middle school. <laughs> I was, I read a lot of them in, like, in, I would go to the library and just read every single one. <laughs> Good times. But yeah, so if if anyone thinks that this book may be for them, by all means, go and go and grab it. Go and grab a a book or a Kindle book. Do not do not read the audiobook. <laughs> yeah, just like I said, usually I am absolutely groovy with audiobooks. In this particular case, I'm sorry, the the narrator is is a, a fine narrator, but she's so very wrong for this book. You, you don't want to really... hear an old lady narrating a fourteen year old girl. It's just not right. Hey, we've gotten a bunch of re-recordings of books. Uh, maybe one day I'll get to read it. <laughs> That'd be nice. Hell yeah! Hey, hashtag <laughs> Kaluna read era. Par- What's we meant? Hashtag Kaluna narrate era parent. Let's get that going. <laughs> yeah. Get on, get on that uh, audible ta- penguin tantor <laughs> book people. Yeah, uh, it depends on who owns. If you look on the side, it'll tell you who owns the book. I am going to see if I can get in touch with VVV, uh, and I will learn oh, her yeah. name, respectfully learn her name before I do that. Because <laughs> uh, so I don't seem like an asshole. And then we're going to make this happen. Hashtag Kaluna narrate heir apparent. Yeah, I can sound like I'm 14. I've read uh, several books where I've been like a teenager or a preteen, so mm-hmm. I, I have the youthful voice. <laughs> hey, actually, yeah. You should narrate the poem that she made. She she narrated. That's, that's which one? Because she's narrated several. Uh, the f- that's one, one thing you is. Do, which one did the, you do for your uh, resume? It was the first one. Whichever one showed up first, I can't remember. But uh, the the uh, one thing that it does remember, which I thought was very clever, is so she's going back through the poems multiple times because she's had to restart. The game remembers the poems, so when yes. she copies a poem that she said before, because she's not allowed to use existing poems, she has to make it up. So when she says the one she said before again, it kills her. <laughs> she has to do it again! <laughs> Alright, what exactly do I have to lose? I announced an ode to St. Bruce. He had to like a poem praising him, didn't he? No reaction. Okay. Except, of course, that my mind was blank. Okay. It made no sense to just stand there without trying while my time ran out. I started. A warrior poet named Bruce. My mind ran through a series of words rhyming with Bruce, none of which seemed particularly apt. Wrote odes to his horse and his goose. I fully expected the sword to come down then, but it didn't. I cleared my throat. Okay, that took care of the poet part, but what about the warrior? He won honor and prizes. Prizes? What was I thinking of? Prizes? Against foes of various sizes. Against was poetical, even if the line itself was forced. And now what about the saint part? Knowing it sounded like the pathetic begging it was, I finished. And protected young poets from abuse. Feordina winced and ducked. I closed my eyes and braced myself for the blow from the sword. No pain, no fizziness, no maternal call of Janine, Janine, come back to the house. Maybe I was still alive. I peeked to check. All good. You see, this is what we could have had. That's what we could have had in the audio book. 
<laughs> she has to make up like a bunch later. Like she tries a haiku to be clever, yeah. and they're like, "Well, since haikus are really short, you really should do two. So she, yeah, so she has to ad lib another haiku just off the top of her head, which damn. But yeah, she, so the one time that she tries just repeating a poem, the statue kills her because it's mm -hmm. like no repeats. Yeah, because yeah. they specifically say like it can't be an existing poem. She's like, oh okay. But I made this up last time, so it's fine. Nope. Yep. Immediate yep. beheaded. Well, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's make that happen. Let's make this this the, your next audiobook thing. I can. I'm gonna use all my power as a mid-level YouTuber to make. Yeah, this and then if my British accents are bad, it's fine because it's not real England. <laughs> That's true. It's a game designed <laughs> oh, by. Oh God! Americans. Do I have to do the terrible Jamaican accent? Yes, you do. I tricked you oh, into no! this contract. No! And now you're gonna do these bad white people being Jamaicans. I don't know how. Well, you've got, you've got some time to learn, because it is going to take me a while to browbeat this author into accepting you as the narrator. So. Okay. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me, my beautiful listeners. Uh, if uh, Kulina, where can they find you if they want to? They want to track you down. Uh, you can find me on YouTube and uh, various other social medias under Kaluna Reviews. Um, if you would like to check out some of my audiobooks, uh, you can find me under Heather Wynn, so W-Y-N-N-E. Um, I've done self-help books, I've done uh, young adult, I've done teen romance, I've got a whole bunch of random you, like assortment my, of things. I'm my oh, absolute oh right, and if you are familiar with Dom's channel, then you know the Amish romance collection. She did a Amish romance novel and it was glorious. It's I did four Am of them technically, because yep. it's a collection of four. Mm -hmm. It's called Amish Harvest and it was glorious. One of them is Amish National Treasure. <laughs> Which was the most glorious of them all, but the true treasure was the Jesus they found along the way, obviously. It's a plot twist, but... Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> ah, I love that book. I hated that book so much. <laughs> that was a hard read. So if y'all would like to see this or any future podcast with our beautiful faces, uh, the video version will be available on my Patreon page for all pledge levels. Mm-hmm. And yeah, do do ch tune in there. Tune in next time. Just tune in. Make my life worth living. That that escalated fast. <laughs> do <laughs> it or he dies. Do it or I'll just die. He has to make I'll, up poems now. I'll have to be beheaded by a statue. It's awful. Quick, come up with a haiku now. I I need to skip to the end of these podcasts. Anyway, bye everyone. <laughs>